For this next part of Organic Matters, let's move on to another subject I've talked about, I think, for over a decade. And that's the subject of human composting as a form of burial. Let me tell a little personal story about this with my friend Malcolm Beck, who has since passed and wanted to be composted, but for complications, ended up cremated. But, but we, we worked on it. We had someone that, that donated to us. I was working at a company called Gardenville then as their general manager, but we're really into composting. I mean, at one time, we were one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, manufacturer of compost in the state of Texas. But we decided to experiment with what he and I, I don't know which one of us talked about it first. Folks, to make it sort of weird, if we bury people long enough, there'll be no place else to do anything because we have a tendency not to want to reuse grounds where people have been buried once they're in the ground. But what if they were there for a finite amount of time and became part of the world around us again? So that's what the concept was. So we had someone that had a very ancient German shepherd that was going to be put to sleep, had to be just 18 years old, and we decided to compost him in a burial situation. So we, we took a six by eight foot area, dug down six or eight inches into the ground, and then built it up three feet uh, with really good finished composted material. And when the dog had been put to rest, we brought him in and put him there and covered him up. And then started to monitor how things evolved. I do want to mention it was a very active. We, we had good live compost because this is part of the story. This is how it should be done. We tested. For, we waited for just six weeks. And, and there was a lot going on, but don't want to give you the details. But at the end of the six months, we actually dug up a portion and there was some bone and some material left. But the animal was basically gone. At the end of the year... The bones had started getting softened and got up. And then at the end, when we quit looking at the second year, and I forget, I think we just kind of faded away. The only thing left was teeth. Evidently, the enamel on teeth is very protective. So that, with that in mind, since then, this is a, well over a decade ago, uh, the states, it's either Oregon and Washington, I know that, that, that one of them now has legal composted burial and the other one was coming on board and now New York expands green burial options with human composting. The Empire State becomes the sixth oh I didn't know this country state in the United States to legalize the eco-friendly burial alternative to composting humans after they've passed away. So anyway, the nationwide effort to legalize the green burial alternative known as human composting or I, I like this fancy term, natural organic reduction, duh, is welcoming New York into the fold. On December 30th of this year that just passed, Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation earlier approved by the State Assembly and the Senate officially legalizing human composting and expanding the list of eco-friendly burial methods available to New Yorkers, of course, after their death. As soon as that happened, I do find, folks, a number of articles where people said, uh, like, oh, my God, this is weird. But after some time to let them kind of meld with it and think about it, a number of them said, I think it's a good choice. I think it will become the choice of a lot of families over time. It's just a matter of them realizing, hey, that's what we ought to do. 
ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I'm not on the religious side, but just think about it. I did a little bit of research here recently since I started this show. I mean, this particular portion of it. Washington became the first state to legalize human composting back in 2019. I remember that. Five other states followed with Colorado and Oregon, California, Vermont, and now New York. Every single thing we can do to turn people away from concrete liners and fancy caskets and embalming. Why are we embalming people? We ought to do and be supportive of, and in, in, I hope every state in the nation, if not every nation in the world. It's just, it's almost a necessity as so many of us uh, keep uh, multiplying. Human composting is a process that transforms a deceased person's body back into the soil. It is similar to traditional composting methods, which involve decomposing organic materials through the use of microorganisms, and in this case, in a, a real controlled environment. In the case of human composting, a body is placed in a specially designed vessel, along with oh, wood chips, alfalfa, straw, microbes, depends on who's doing it. This vessel is then sealed and placed in a temperature-controlled space where it is supplied with oxygen. Now, they're going a little overboard here. I'd like to even simpler than this. We'll talk about that later. Over the course of several months, the microorganisms break down the organic matter, including bones, until all that remains is a, a volume of soil far, far smaller than the human body is that you can imagine. This soil can be given to the deceased person's family, or it can be donated to farms or conservation efforts as a sustainable alternative to traditional burial or cremation methods. Now, as usual, when we want to do something, we got to get the government involved in it far over complicating this. What you ought to be able to do, folks, is take the body of your loved one, put it out on your, your property, and let him go back into the soil. I very recently had a dear friend of mine pass away, and he's buried right here on this ranch where I am broadcasting from. And it was a wonderful idea. And they did not use any embalming methods or anything. He will soon be part of his ranch, his family owned for five generations. Anyway, on the fancy side, basically all we humans need to do is create the right environment for nature to do its job. It's like the opposite of antibacterial soap. Instead of fighting them, we welcome the microbes and the bacteria. It, it's the, come on, guys. You're welcome with open arms. These tiny, amazing creatures break down molecules into smaller molecules and atoms, which are then incorporated into new molecules, a la back to nature. Right now, I should mention, it is on par cost-wise with a conventional burial. Okay, but that's around, uh, they say it's 5000 in some places, up to seven or so, $8,000. But it's still more expensive than cremation, which makes no sense. Take a hell of a lot more energy to cremate somebody than it does to bury them and let them be away. So I expect it to become much more cost competitive as the practice is adopted and as more firms offer the service. But again, I don't know what we have to have a firm offering the service for. I'm not, I don't, I don't have a thing against funeral homes, but I don't need that involved. When I pass, just put me in an all cotton gown and find me a hole. That's all you really got to do. I would, you know, I'd like you to add some microbes and some, you know, and we'll talk about that in another show. But 
That's all we need to do. Well, it, it, it's 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 well, cremation is is very much of a ritual too. It can be a nice ritual, but it's really a natural ritual. Something that until we decided to become whatever civilized is, they did with all of us when we were no longer on this earth as a soul or however you want to count us as a human. Anyway, a beginning, but just another food for thought that I think really, really needs some serious consideration. Take a little time for this part of the show, I guess you want to call it, to just remind us it's a new year, all about extreme temperatures, what's the causes, what's the consequences, and the solutions. And everybody's way more aware of them now than they were at any time in the past when I discussed it. The past 10 years, frankly, really the last five years alone, have shown a dramatic increase in extreme temperatures and precipitation leading to everything from extended droughts, which themselves lead to wildfires, of course, to massive ice storms, to mudslides, to multiple Category 4 and 5 hurricanes. As our climate warms, temperatures and storm systems are altered, in some cases significantly. And this has and will become a leader to more and more severe outcomes. But why is it happening? And is there anything we can do to stop it? Short answer, climate change, duh. And yes, we could and we should have already. The long answer, well, it's just, we've got to get into it, folks. It's time. First, because I run into this all the time, let's define weather and climate. It seems to be so confusing to people. Listen, weather is short-term changes in the atmosphere, period. Storms, whatever. Climate, the long-term changes in weather patterns typically in a specific area that you're talking about, but overall, worldwide. So when scientists use the phrase climate change, it's referring to the changes in weather patterns, temperatures, and levels of precipitation over years, and how these patterns compare to those in the decades, even centuries that came before that. These previous decades are referred to as what we would have called over time climate normals, Scientists are then able to observe shifts in these patterns that have altered themselves away from those, what we called climate normals. In the case of where we began to use the word climate change, the increased release of greenhouse gases since the turn of the 20th century, and even before to some degrees, has triggered significant changes in overall weather patterns. And that's all around the world, not just where you are this moment. For reference, What's causing extreme temperatures? Greenhouse gases trapped in the Earth's atmosphere trap heat, which in turn increases surface temperature here on the Earth. So far, Earth's surface temperatures have increased, as far as we can tell by science, approximately 2.2 degrees Fahrenheit, about 1.2 degrees centigrade. This trapped heat causes sporadic heating events, creating heat waves that are consistently hotter and last longer than those that we've seen really ever before, at least in, in the history we know. In fact, experiencing extreme heat and heat waves is estimated to be 10 times more likely now than it was in the pre-industrial era and as a direct result of the increased greenhouse gases that we have all helped put into place. And now we're beginning to realize the secondary side effect of these global temperature increases is precipitation and lots of it in some places. Look at California. That's what brought this up. Watch what happened last week and what's happening next week over there. As temperatures increase, most surface water evaporates, collecting in the atmosphere and forming, of course, rain clouds. 
The more water vapor that exists in the atmosphere, the heavier the rainfall. As a result, warmer temperatures equals increased precipitation, increased rainfall in many areas, but not all. Some people are going to get more droughts. And the last quick question for this part of the show is, can extreme heat lead to extreme cold? And the answer is yes, yes, it can. And introducing the polar vortex, something we never heard of. I did in a decade ago. Uh, I ain't going to take a big dive into it, but the short and sweet of it is this. Both the North and South Poles are covered by something called a polar vortex. That's in the atmosphere. This vortex, when stable, is made up of tightly circulating cold air that stays above a specific area, thus maintaining a consistently cold temperature. However, scientists have now discovered that as the Earth and the Arctic sea waters begin to warm, the stability of these polar vortexes begins to be reduced. As this happens, the polar vortex expands and starts sending frigid air southward. Oh boy, just did that a few weeks ago here, 10 degrees. This can lead to extreme cold fronts and more and more severe winter storms. There's a quick note, folks. That's what's happening. Accept it and realize that we're part of the problem. Now, what can we do to make it better down the road? Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.